game. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Wanna suplex cats, give them belly to bats. Rock bottom, tombstone, and a sunset flip. So I need you to teach me that. No way. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap. Boom, soft, sharpshooter, and a F5-2. So I need you to teach me that. Ladies and gentlemen, and non-gender conforming people of the world, uh, welcome to the Natural Disasters of Wrestling podcast. Um, it's been a minute. Um, before we get into today's topic or today's discussion, um, a major congratulations goes out to um, the other half of this podcast who popped a question a couple days ago to his girl and uh, has now linked the ball to his chain. Don, congratulations to you and Gina. Um, Thank you. I cannot believe she said yes, although I can, honestly. As much as I like to poke fun at him, as much as I have been making fun and kind of taking little jabs at his, at his domestication, I really am proud of him, and I really am happy for him because um, a little reminder popped up that he posted on Facebook that two years and two months ago, this been the hope probably would have been dead and probably should have been dead. Um, he went through some shit. He went through some shit, and you know he's made it through it. He's gotten sober. He's cleaned his uh, life up. He's cleaned himself up, even though he still drinks a shit ton of soda. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he's in a much better place. And, you know, at the risk of sounding sappy and the risk of probably making myself cry, I never thought I would see this. Um, and I mean that in the best way possible. But um, I I have no other words. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm super excited in the future and just everything that's happened in this past year alone like well 2020 has been a shit year personally for me it's been one of my most defining and best years of my life so this is uh this is truly awesome and thank you thank you but of course but with that we have a show to do so uh, yes we do um there, there has been a lot of wrestling since the last time that we spoke, but obviously it is, uh, it's Sunday, and you know what that means, um, oh, especially on this Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, last night we learned that we lost uh, uh, one of the most. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know what a good way to say this that would do it justice, but we're literally like we say this about a lot of people because they really are talented, but. Uh, Brody Lee was one of the most talented people and talented wrestlers. Um, that the modern era, you know, unfortunately, of the modern of the past decade, who was yeah. unfortunately very much underutilized um, in certain companies. And you know, we're not going to bash WWE too much here, but um, you know, he he was very talented. He was uh, he was a really one of the biggest, one of the great big men in the past decade. Uh, who was able to do not only, you know, the, the stuff a big man would do, but it would also move like a cruiserweight sometimes. Literally, like there, the video of him giving the hurricane run to John Cena has been making rounds on Twitter all day. And it literally is one of the greatest things ever. It um, is, it is. And you're breaking up there. Okay, why don't we pause real quick? Um, yeah, it's... It's really, really disheartening. You know, I found out last night just like as everyone else did. And it's just really, really, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how to feel about it right now. And We're going to talk about how we feel and how the wrestling world as a whole feels. But first, let's dive into a little bit of life of um, Brody Lee, AKA, FKA uh, um, Luke Harper. Um, Jonathan Huber was born... On December 16th, 1979, he unfortunately passed at the age of 41. Um, 
he was obviously Luke Harper in WWE as part of the Wyatt family and uh, was known as Brody Lee in the Indies as well as All Elite Wrestling when he became the exalted one for the Dark Order, Mr. Brody Lee. Um, he was a backyard wrestler, uh, started in 2003 under the name Huber Boy Number no. 2. Uh, and he worked with his brother who was real life, uh, with his real life brother who was named Huber Boy Number no. 1. And when his brother, Heber Boy number one, learned that um, he didn't like taking bumps, uh, Jonathan Huber ended up wrestling by himself, just as still Heber Boy number two. Um, later that year, uh, he began uh, working as Brody Lee for RPW, Rochester Pro Wrestling. Uh, he came up with the name Brody Lee because of the movie Mall Rats, which I didn't know until I saw that WWE video that you had sent. Yeah. Um, apparently, he, apparently he uh, he uh, looked a lot like people that he looked a lot like Jason Lee and uh, his character Brody Bruce. So he kind of combined the names Brody and Lee, which became Brody Lee. Um, but a lot of obviously, whenever people saw him, uh, the comparison was always to Bruiser Brody, which is obviously which is, you know, isn't far isn't that uh, far apart. Um, it's not from Bruiser Brody, and I'm sure he probably didn't want to take the moniker from Bruiser Brody, but he kind of lived up to a Bruiser Brody kind of uh, look and style almost. Um, he then went to NWA Upstate and then NWA New York. Uh, he did win multiple championships in their heavyweight division, as well as their tag team champion once and their television championship once. Uh, he was in Shikara from 2007-2012. He made his debut on March 24th, 2007 at Time Will Prove Everything using the Right Stuff Brody Lee gimmick um, in a losing effort to Equinox. Um, in April 2008, uh, Lee began to bully a wrestler named Claudio Castanoli, also known as Cesaro in WWE land. Um, the first match was on April 20th, and it ended in Castanoli being disqualified for accidentally kicking, kicking the referee in the match. Um, you know, Brody Lee uh, spent some time with other wrestlers, with other well-known wrestlers like Eddie Kingston, Sammy Callahan, Brian Danielson, Dave Taylor. You know, the list goes on. There was a lot of uh, talent in Chikara. Uh, he also wrestled for Squared Circle Wrestling from 2007 to 2012. Uh, he was on the independent circuit from 2008 to 2012, wrestling in Ring of Honor, making his debut in October on October 25th, 2008, aligning himself with the Age of the Fall and helping Jimmy Jacobs defeat Austin Aries in an Anything Goes match. Uh, he often teamed with Delirious, and uh, you know he did uh, he did a lot in ROH. He uh, debuted in Evolve in 2010. He also made his debut. Uh, and in Dragon Gate USA during the same year, in which he defeated Cheech, Cloudy, Kyle O'Reilly, Phil Atlas, Extremo, Brent B, and Anthony Fiasco in an eight in a dark eight-way fray elimination match before the tapings of their Uprising pay-per-view. And then in 2010, the end of that year, he debuted for Dragon Gate in Tokyo. Um, he also performed for Jersey All Pro Wrestling up until 2011. Um, and then uh, unfortunately he left uh, Jersey All Pro because he hadn't made an appearance for the promotion in nine months and he was stripped away of their heavyweight championship. Uh, he made his debut in WWE in 2012. On March 12, 2012, it was reported that Huber had signed a developmental contract with WWE. He had made his debut for WWE's developmental territory, FCW, at a house show on May 18th, working under the new ring name Luke Harper. Now, it's also important to note that uh, before he signed with WWE, it was kind of a crazy week for him because he had he had injured himself, which is why he was out, out of action. Um, and then he had lost his job that, you know, he was doing while he wasn't wrestling. And then uh, good old Johnny Ace gave him a, gave him a call and said, you know, hey, you know, you, we want to sign you. Like all within the span of a week, he, you know, he, all within the span of a week, and not to mention that same week he found out he was having his first child. Mm -hmm. 
So it was a crazy week for like it was a, that was a crazy week for him before he signed with WWE because you know he got he got injured he got injured lost his job found out he didn't have a baby and he got signed with WWE which is insane to think of. Yeah, um, just when you think you know the dark the the storm can't get any worse, you finally see some light. So I mean, he fought, he fought long and hard for you know his dream, and look where it got him. It got him to the WWE, and he did a lot of stuff on the Indies. It was all credit to the Indies, but that you know that's what got him to the dance, as they say. But yeah, that that week was uh, extreme, extremely tumultuous for him. And uh, like I said, he debuted in uh, 2012 as Luke Harper. Uh, he debuted on. He made his television debut on November 7th of 2012 as uh, the first follower of Bray Wyatt's The Wyatt Family. Um, later on, obviously, he, uh, they inter- they introduced Eric Rowan and all three of them were the definitive Wyatt family uh, for the longest time. On May 27th uh, episode of Raw, uh, vignettes started to air for the debuting Wyatt family. About um, a couple weeks later, or about a month, over a month later, on July eighth, the White family made their debut by uh, assaulting Kane, uh, and it's honestly, it's one of the best debuts for not only Bray Wyatt but for a faction in general. Yeah. Um, because you know Wyatt and the White family really made their mark in NXT. They were extremely popular, um, and you know they obviously had time to develop those characters and polish them up real nice. Because when you saw you know, the Wyatt family on TV for the first time on Raw, on the main roster for the first time, I was, I was enthralled. Uh, just everything about them was unsettling and you kind of already gathered who they were just by seeing them. And it's just, it was awesome. Uh, Ro- uh, Lou Harper, especially, uh, you have the creepiness of Rowan with the sheep's mask. You have, you know, the cult leader in Bray Wyatt, but then you have the, the crazed, looking follower in and uh luke harper and it just did everything for for them it did it really did everything for them i i when they debuted on when they debuted you know on the main shows i was thrilled because i wasn't at that time i wasn't a big nxt fan but like to see him on like when i saw these guys on there i was like oh this is good like this is good um, the Royal Rumble in 2014, he made his Royal Rumble debut where he eliminated two other people before being eliminated by Roman Reigns. Uh, after that, the same year at WrestleMania, I believe it was WrestleMania 30? For, 2014 was 30, right? Yes. Uh, the Wyatt family began a feud with The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. And around this time, both teams were at their hottest. Um, like every time you had a six man tag with the Wyatt family and the shield, you know, when that graphic popped up, the, the crowd went crazy, you know, in the arena. And I, that's one of the things that's really missed, um, uh, in WWE right now, like, you know, having a, like, obviously, you know, the, the fact that there's no crowds with the pandemic and all, but just the fact that you really get the reaction of, uh, uh you know, a graphic popping up and just the excitement from the building coming through from the TV. You know, it's amazing that he was a part of that, you know, because it wasn't just Bray Wyatt. It wasn't just Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan. It was all three of them going up against young up-and-comers, well, sort of young up-and-comers in The Shield. Um, Luke Harper had actually a really decent title reign uh, with the Intercontinental Championship in 2014-2015. Him and and Rowan were set free by uh, Wyatt. And surprisingly from him and Rowan, between Harper and Rowan, Harper was the one with the title reign and one of the, you know, pretty long title reign too. He had a really long time with that Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. he was only gone from the White family for about a year. Uh, they reformed in 2015. Um, and then they brought the Black Sheep, um, Braun Strowman, in around this time. Um, uh, and around 2017, 2017, right? Um, Harp, uh, sorry, uh, Luke Harper.
and Bray Wyatt became kind of their own stable. Uh, and then somehow Randy Orton got in there. And that led to some really great storytelling between Luke Harper and Randy Orton because the whole time Harper knew that Orton was going to turn on Wyatt. Yep. And just Wyatt, you know, trying to accept or claim, you know, Orton was part of his family, but Harper didn't trust it. And just the payoff to everything was incredible, except maybe the whole WrestleMania match itself. But, you know, just that whole storytelling arc with Harper the whole was storytelling arc, For somebody that doesn't get to talk, he told yeah. so much of a story. The way they, you know, present the story and the way, you know, Luke Harper was presented because he was Bray Wyatt's first follower. And they presented it in that light, like, hey, I've been following you forever. Like, trust me on this. Yeah. Um, on July 4th, uh, Harper took place in a battle royal to determine the number one contender for the U.S. championship. He failed to win, but was, that match was won by AJ Styles. And then Harper disappeared from TV for a few months. In 2017, uh, he appeared again with his uh, longtime tag team partner, Eric Rowan, except they became the Bludgeon Brothers. Yes. Um, and it was an interesting, it was an interesting gimmick. There was really no way to describe it. I mean, it kind of felt Vikingish in a sense. It almost felt very Viking Raiders, but not, or War Raiders, or War Machine, but not. Yeah, it was it it like, like a Viking satanic cult vibe. It felt like somebody ordered the um, War Machine off Wish. <laughs> Like I'm so sorry. I know we're eulogizing the man, but like, but you know what? They were it. They they made it work in a sense because there were two very physically, like you know, intimidating men with hammers. Like I don't understand how you wouldn't want to be how you wouldn't be scared of that. Um, but it was interesting. Um, The Bludgeon Brothers actually had uh, a pretty long title reign with the Tag Team Championships, um, but it was brought to an end on the August 21st episode of SmackDown when the New Day defeated the Bludgeon Brothers in a no-disqualification match to win the titles, ending the Bludgeon Brothers' 135-day reign as champions. Uh, it was announced the next day after that match that Rowan had suffered a torn right bicep, sidelining him indefinitely and putting the whole team on hiatus. Um, which left, unfortunately, Harper in creative limbo. Um, but uh, a couple of months later, Harper made a surprise appearance at an NXT house show where he unsuccessfully challenged Ricochet for the NXT North American Championship. And then um, soon after, Harper took a time off on his own to undergo some surgery for a wrist injury that he has, has sustained. Um, in March 19, 2019, Luke Harper uh, returned to in-ring action, defeating Mojo Raleigh at a house show in Rochester. He made his return, his uh, TV return at WrestleMania Access, defeating Dominic Djokovic, uh, which aired as part of WWE Worlds Collide. Uh, he uh, competed in the Andre at WrestleMania 35, but it was eliminated by Braun Strowman. He wrestled against e EC3 in a dark match before an episode of SmackDown. Um, but Here's where it gets interesting. It was reported that WWE Chairman Vince McMahon did not like the match, so he canceled creative plans for Har Harper altogether, which included a feud with Sami Zayn. Um, after that, on April 16th, Harper requested his release from WWE, as he had yet to appear on television weekly. His request was denied by, uh, by McMahon. David Meltzer had speculated that Harper's contract was originally going to expire in November 2019, but WWE added six months to it due to uh, due to the missed time because of an injury. Yeah, um, it was reported in mid-July of 2019 as well that Harper had returned to traveling with the roster as, as he had been off events since requesting his release. Um, at the Clash of Champions on September 15th, uh, he made his TV debut. Uh, sorry, his return to, DV, uh, to TV by attacking Roman Reigns in his match with uh, Eric Rowan. Uh, on SmackDown Live, he ambushed Daniel Bryan after a confrontation with Rowan, only to be interrupted by Reigns. Uh, at Hell in a Cell, Harper and Rowan were defeated by Reigns and Bryan in a tag match. Uh, as a part of a 2019 draft, Eric Rowan was drafted to Raw, disbanding Rowan and uh, Harper once again. 
Harper's last televised WWE match was in a battle royal at the Crown Jewel event on October 31st, which he had lost. Um, in October, uh, on a, November 26th of the same year, he filed a trademark for Brody Lee, which was his former wrestling name. And on December 8th, it was announced that he had been released from WWE. Uh, so that was in December. Um, and he had a no, uh, no complete clause, right? For a bit, even though, uh, yeah. yeah, which is, I mean, I guess that's pretty standard from what I understand. That even if, so, you know, you serve your time, quote unquote, you still have a non-compete. He had a 90-day non-compete agreement. Um, that non-compete that non-compete agreement ended the night before All Elite Wrestling was supposed to take place in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. aka his hometown. Yeah, so on March 17th, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, the world began to shut down um, that same week. Or mm-hmm. was it the week prior? It was the week prior. It was a week prior that the world, uh, you know, um, events with with audiences uh, were to shut down or just have no audiences. So WWE started to uh, hold all their main shows at the Performance Center. AEW ended up moving all of their shows to um, Daly's Place in Jacksonville. Um, but yeah, he made this, this surprise debut for AEW under Brody Lee on March 18th, 2020. On their episode of Dynamite, when he revealed himself as the Exalted One, who was the uh, number one and mysterious leader of the Dark Order faction, uh, after he attacked uh, so uh, SCU with um, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Um, he was undefeated for several weeks, and, and he challenged AEW World Champion John Moxley at a match at Double or Nothing. Um, but unfortunately, he was defeated by Moxley, who... Uh, gave Lee his first loss in AEW. But over the months, Lee recruited new members into the Dark Order, including Colt Cabana and Anna Jay. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about the whole Colt, you know, Dark Order thing in a little bit, but uh, we're almost done here. On August 22nd, uh, on that episode of Dynamite, Lee squashed Cody Rhodes to win the AEW TNT Championship. Um, after the match, Lee... Um, really showed a lot of brute force in as far as strength and character uh, you know, character work when he attacked QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and Brandy Rhodes with the help of the Dark Order. I think that's one of the most iconic images that I'm going to remember Lee for of him and the Dark Order standing over the Nightmare family. Yeah. Um, that's, it was that's, so good. That's, that's, that's wrestling. That is wrestling. That's great heel work. Um, to quote Vince McMahon, it's good shit. At All Out on I mean, September... F- it's yeah. actually good shit. It is, it is. On All Out on September 5th, Lee teamed with uh, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, uh, and lost to Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall. Uh, he defended the TNT Championship against Dustin Rhodes on September 9th. And he also defended his title against Orange Cassidy on the September 23rd episode of Dynamite, uh, which uh, marked the return of Cody to attack the Dark Order. And uh, Cody challenged Lee to a dog collar match for the TNT Championship, which leads to on his last match on October 7th on Dynamite. Uh, he lost to Cody Rhodes in a dog collar match, which ended his 55-day reign. Uh, 46 days recognized by AEW, though. And then he was sidelined with an undisclosed injury, um, which we all know was probably his illness. But we don't know um, exactly what, um, you know, what he was out for, uh, you know, originally. But um, he was married to his wife, Amanda, who was known as a wrestler, Sydney Sin, in 2008. Uh, they have two sons. Um, um, he died of a non-COVID-related lung issue at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. And his wife, Amanda, has um, said nothing but great things for the people who have um, supported them, everybody in AEW and everybody else that he knew in wrestling. 
uh, and this man had a list, uh, had a long list of accomplishments, a one zero gravity champion, uh, champion, all elite TNT champion, uh, Jersey pro wrestling, their heavyweight championship, their, uh, New Jersey state championship and their tag team championship, uh, next era wrestling heavyweight championship, NWA empire heavyweight champion, NWA Mississippi Southern television champion. He was ranked 24 of the, the five, top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 in 2015. The NWA Upstate Kayfabe Dojo Champion, NWA Upstate, NWA New York Heavyweight Champion three times, RPW Tag Team Champion one time with Freddie Midnight, RPW NWA Upstate Television Champion, 2CW Heavyweight Champion two times, Squared Circle Wrestling, World of Hurt Wrestling United States Champion three times, Best Gimmick 2013 as part of the Wyatt Family. And then WWE, he was the NXT Tag Team Champion one time with Eric Bowen, a one-time WWE Intercontinental Champion, the SmackDown Tag Team Champion twice with Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton and Rowan, and a Slammy Award for Match of the Year with Team Cena versus The Authority at Survivor Series, which I forgot that was a really good match from all the people. That, oh, yeah. For, you know, Team Cena, Team Authority, like, I, I didn't see Harper going to The Authority, but just, the, you know, Harper, Harper on Team Cena, I mean, Harper and Team Authority, Rowan on Team Cena, that was that was great. It was it was like seeing brothers and rival gangs. It was. It was oh, such good shit. It was such good stuff. I mean, he has a long list of accomplishments. Um, he's going to be terribly missed. I mean, he's he's going to be terribly missed. I know, like it hit me like a ton of bricks when I found out. Um, there have been. There has been an outpouring of love and support for him and his family. And I think that, well, I don't think I know that the general consensus was that he was obviously a really talented wrestler, but he was a greater man, you know, backstage. Um, it, he, the unanimous word is that he was a family man. And that his family come, came first. And he had nothing but love and admiration for his wife and his two children. And, um, you know, you, especially this year, with so much going on in, you know, the world of wrestling, there, we heard, we, we've heard a lot of bad stories about people backstage. Yeah. And to, to know and to see and to hear that one of the most kindest and genuine people has passed is a real loss um, for everybody. Um, if you've watched uh, Being the Elite at all. Um, that is so fucking funny. He was incredibly funny. He had great comedic timing. He had, a, I mean, he, again, in WWE, you didn't really hear him speak, and yeah. you know he, he um, on AEW restrict unrestricted, he talks about how you know when he was in WWE, Vince wanted him to have a Southern accent when he wanted us, you know, carry him as a single star, but he can't do yeah. that because he's from New York. He has a New York accent. He looks kind of Southern, but that's because of the beard. But you know, he, he he's very articulate. He was very articulate. He was. He, he was very motivated and to do what he thought was best for his character. But, you know, unfortunately, he was stymied as this one thing um, while he was in WWE. And again, we, we don't mean to, to shit on WWE. This isn't us attacking WWE because, you know, we wish that they, he, they could have done better by him. Uh, and, you know, we wish that they could do better by a lot of people. But unfortunately, that's not how the machine works. Um, and you can tell when he got to AEW that he was enjoying himself. Yeah, like he had so much creativity pent up um, in his in his body and in his mind. And you know, seeing him in AEW and seeing him on, on BTE it was some of the best stuff that I would have never have thought to have seen out of Luke Harper. So. AC3 kind of put a nice word, some words into it on Twitter. Every kind of word you read about him is true. Every person that says that they loved him is genuine. Every one of us is hurt. And every one of us is better for having, for having had John in our lives. Um, 
Mustafa Ali tweeted, gutted to hear about John's passing. He saved me from a broken neck. He would get so mad when I pull up a chair and set to set, sit in and refer to him as taker, sir. You're going to get me heat, kid. <laughs> Condolences to him, to his family. It appears that love and dearly. And I could hear him. Like, I could, I could just picture him saying those words because, like, he's so, like, he was so articulated. And it's a shame that they didn't do enough with him. Like, after watching that WWE, there was a WWE formerly known as documentary series on YouTube. And it's about two years old now at this point. And, like, you get a good idea of, you know, you get a good idea of John Huber as a, as a person and the way he speaks and the way he talks, like, like, damn, like, why isn't he, you know, like, watching that, I remember watching it, like, two years ago when it first came out, and I was just like, damn, like, why aren't they pushing him? Mm-hmm. And, like, re-watching it now, I was just like, oh, it's a, like, it was a gut punch. I'm telling you, uh, if you don't listen to AEW Unrestricted, uh, listen to that episode. I think it's like about two, three months old. Um, I, w- I would, I highly recommend it. Um, you get mm-hmm. to, again, you get to know more about the man. Uh, I, that's what really endeared me to him um, the last few months. Um, you know, obviously uh, when he won the AEW uh, TNT Championship, because this was, yeah, this was like not too long after the TNT, he had won the championship. Um it just really drove home the fact of how much of uh, a family man this guy was and how much of a company man this guy was. Uh, and, you know, it, it does suck that they didn't, they didn't really do much with him. Um, and yesterday, you know, uh, we have a group chat going uh, that just sends wrestling memes. And I don't know who it was that sent the news, but, it, you know, when I saw it, I kind of felt numb. Uh, and that was just my girlfriend when I had read the news and, you know, I had showed her and I tried to explain it to her, but like, you know, she doesn't really follow wrestling. She doesn't know who it is. So like, mm-hmm. I, you know, she didn't really have a, a reaction to it, but, you know, for about an hour or two, like I just didn't necessarily know how to feel or, um, you know, how to, how to handle the news, but I, I was able to figure it out and like, Don and I are not the same age, but we're still pretty young. Um, I believe there's a six-year difference between us. Six-year, and he's in the restroom. Okay. Anyways, um, there's an age gap between Don and I, but we're still pretty young. And I personally had a friend die young out of nowhere. Like he wasn't dealing with a sickness like, um, like Brody Lee was. Yes. It just it just happened out of nowhere. Yeah, um, there is a six year age difference between us. Um, and that hit me like a ton of bricks when that happened. And seeing somebody who, again, like I started to really in, become more endeared to, and then knowing how young he was, you know, Brody Lee was only forty one. Uh, you know when he passed and you know the, the age is obviously a, a real big um you know a real big factor in how everybody feels but but you know as somebody who you know has watched his career and then heard all the stories and stuff like that about how he was frustrated and how he you know was basically held back you know it it really drives on the fact that like it could end at any time yeah. and not to get existential on everybody, but I mean, it's the, it's the truth. You know, we're never guaranteed any time. Um, and, you know, it, this been the whole over here has his life going. It's barely starting another chapter of his life. You know, I have shit that I want to do too. We both do, but like, you know, if it's not one thing or another that's holding us back, it, it's sometimes ourselves too. And I think 
you know, unfortunately, sometimes a person's death is a is a life lesson that somebody learns. You know, they're the catalyst for it, but it is what it is. And uh, you know, this is a good, um, this is a good spot for you to think about what you want out of life and what's important to you. You know, because for Brody Lee, his most important for Jonathan Huber, his most important thing to work towards and to work for was for his family for the betterment of his family um you know i hugged my girlfriend extra hard after all you know before i saw left her yesterday and i hugged my parents extra hard because you know those are the things that i work towards and i hugged my brother extra hard yesterday when i got to see him even though he's not home um He's, I mean, he's going to be terribly missed. I, I know you're, it's, it's hard to take in. It's a really, really hard to take in. It's hard to talk about because, you know, this is somebody who's not that much older than us. And somebody um, who was ridiculously talented and yeah. he had the whole world, you know, to, to, to get and to see and, you know, it, it just stopped. And, you know, again, like, it's not to bash um, anybody or any company, but, you know, it's, it sucks when your talent doesn't get recognized and you're held back. And, you know, I, but the one thing I hope is that, like, luckily his, his wife and his, you know, his family was around him. But the one thing I hope he didn't feel when he was leaving was regret. I, I don't think he felt regret at all. I mean, he accomplished so much throughout his career when he was finally to break free. Like, he hit the ground running and people loved it. Yeah. Um, I encourage everyone to go watch uh, fuck, I don't know, like the last four months, five months, six months of BTE because it, 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 became, it went from being the elite to being the Dark Order. Yeah, it really did. It really did. And he like he carried that show so well. Uh, like he, I, yeah, he did. Like he carries the show so well. And like I I like I I specifically only tune in like to BT not just to watch, you know, Dark Order bits because they're that good. They they he was really getting the Dark Order over and so were, you know, yeah. John Silver and Alex Reynolds and all of them. But like, you know, they I think they became their own when they got Brody Lee because they had a, you know, a sense of leadership. And even though like, you know, he he was their kayfabe leader, but he was also the elder statesman of the group. He was the one that had the most experience. And so he knew what would be right for all of them. And, you know, you see, I don't know if you saw John Silver's post uh, last night on Twitter, but, you know, John Silver, uh, he, he, John Silver is fucking hilarious. He's so fucking stupid. And, you know, he, he mentioned that he didn't really get to have, you know, the, the mentorship of Brody Lee all that long, but, you know, you could see it rubbed off a little bit just of how bombastic fucking John Silver is. You know, and you saw that in the first few episodes of BTE of how fucking loud Brody Lee screams. And it, uh, it's, it's just so good. He is. Oh, he's so good. It's my, you know, one of my favorite moments of uh, the last year was, so John Silver took a nasty bump in one of, uh, in one of Brody Lee's matches. Mm-hmm. And then the BTE skit were, you know, the BTE skit, you know, they're used to throwing like John Silver's always and uh, Alex Jones are always getting thrown out, like by by Brody Lee, and um, but for this one skit, he throws everybody out the room, and then you see John Silver start walking. He's like, no, no, you can stay. <laughs> um, yeah, Brody Lee, so Brody Lee in the Dark Order with fucking chilies. Yeah. Brody Lee singing the Chili's theme is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so fucked. Brody Lee oh and and um, Sue, fucking yeah. Trent's mom. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot how funny that was, and you could see him corpsing too. It's a, well, I don't know if that's the right. Word. You could see him cracking up. Um, you know, trying to hold like back his so, laughter. 
it's so funny. Like, I mean, if you have the app, like, if anybody has the opportunity, watch. I really, and I really hope, uh, you know, the Bucks, and I hope the Bucks do like a nice little tribute tomorrow. There's gonna, there's gonna be tributes all, all this week. There's gonna be, tri- I mean, yeah. it, it took a while for WWE to kind of, you know, send their condolences or do something on their end because obviously, you know, Brody Lee did move to AEW. Um, it took he, he, two whole hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they just didn't know how to handle it because it wasn't one of their performers or especially since, you know, uh, Rip Brody Lee was trending, you know, but the, they can't really use Brody Lee because w- WWE on Fox, like the Fox. Oh, the, the WWE on Fox was retweeting everything that said Brody Lee. Yeah. Like the WWE on Fox was retweeting everything. Uh, there was the WWE on, I, I forgot, like the India, the, the WWE on Stony 10 in India was like retweeting everything. But the official but, WWE account took two hours. But and, and, and unfortunately for WWE or the way WWE world works is, you know, they're their own bubble. Yeah. And so they always assume that fans or all of their fans don't know where these people came from. So they had to be like known to WWE, to the WWE universe as Luke Harper, you know, but I mean, I, I didn't not, I did not expect them to say something because, you know, again, Luke Harper was intercontinental champion. He was a tag team champion. He was part of, I mean, you know, arguably one of the greatest factions in the W, you know, in the past decade next to the shield. Yeah. Um, like, you know, we're going to see tributes on Raw. We're going to see tributes on AEW. We're going to see tributes on BTE. We're going to see tributes for um, Luke Harper. Every every single place that he touched, every single wrestling promotion that he touched, there's going to be a tribute, and rightly so. What was it? New Japan Pro Wrestling posted something like right as they found out. And like, they did? Yeah. Did he wrestle for, for, uh, he didn't. Oh. That's how like, much and, respect that man had. NJPW posted stuff. Uh, NWA posted stuff. Impact posted stuff. Like right as everything happened. And you know there are so many people that you know that only met him you know briefly, like Eric Bischoff and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hurricane Helms, and you know just a bunch of other people. But like he he touched a lot of people, and he is family. You know, in the wrestling world, they are a family. Um. And you know to lose somebody and to lose somebody so young again, it's 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 a tragedy. Um, my, like my Instagram feed all night last night was just nothing but Brody Lee. He is not going to be forgotten. Um, oh, um, the the heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week, um, AEW tapings uh, for the next two weeks. Um, at the end of the tapings, um, they did a dark segment where uh, Brody Lee Jr. was at Daly's place, Brody Lee's uh, oldest son, I believe. Um, and he was invited into the ring by AEW World Champion Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega offered Brody Lee Jr. a spot into the Elite. Um, cue the Dark Order hitting the ring. And it becomes a brawl, brawl between the Elite and the Dark Order. The ring clears and an impromptu AEW World Championship match between Kenny Omega and Brody Lee Jr. Uh, commences. Brody Lee Jr. jumps on Kenny Omega's back, proceeds to make Kenny Omega cha- tap out, and Justin Roberts announces Brody Lee Jr. as the new AEW World Champion. That's freaking uh, awesome. And, you know, at the time, you know, because people saw it, um, yeah. especially, you know, uh, the people that were there and, you know, everybody thought that it was a, um, it was like, you know, a Christmas present to the kid. Yeah. Um, hindsight being what it is now, you know, maybe, you know, people knew, you how know, what was going to, yeah, how bad it was. And they wanted to send something to smile on, they wanted to put a smile on Brody Lee's face or just, you know, to, to see his, his son, um, get into the ring like his old man would would want him or wouldn't want him who knows but just to do that for him and i think mm-hmm. that's incredibly kind and that's just a fantastic thing for for Brody Lee and his children 
It is. It really is. Favorite Luke Harper, Brody Lee match or moment from the past decade? Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. Because I have a lot to choose from. Um, I'm probably going to say the the Shield versus Wyatt family match. Uh, Jesus Christ! There's like so many that, that there's have. like a dozen. Because they were all they've always been so good together. Yeah, that's the thing about factions that uh, the mm-hmm. WWE forgets is that like you know they always like to do these mix and match multi man matches, but they always forget that the best ones are from established factions who work together, you know, town after town, day after day, because they already know how, what the strengths and weaknesses of each other are. You know, and it's not just single stars getting together for one match. It's, you know, this is their craft. This is the craft of tag team wrestling. And, and in this case of trios wrestling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the fucking Wyatt family and the Shield were always fucking golden. Like I was saying earlier, like you know, the pops you would hear when the graphic came up of the Wyatt family and the Shield were, you know, just you drowned in them almost. They came through the TV, and I, you know, there's one of those few times where you hear a pop and you get excited and you're at home. You know, it's um, oh god, yeah, it's uh, there's been. A total of ten matches between the two between the two factions. Oh, I was right. So almost a dozen. Yeah, and like any one of those could be like contenders for contenders for for um. Uh, WrestleMania play button, um, that ladder man match that he was in for oh the God, Intercontinental yeah. Championship. Yeah, that was incredible. That was incredible because you could see you could see him like. How fucking, like, how fucking uh, dope was he? Just and agile as a big dude. You could see him having fun almost. Yeah. Um, you know him again. Like I said earlier, him and Randy Orton. You know, and obviously he was working with uh, with a more uh, mature Randy Orton, which mm-hmm. I think made for a lot of fun too. Because I think if he was working with Andy Orton circa like. 2007 2008 it probably wouldn't have gelled as well but you know you're working with the more elder statesman randy Orton, i think that was golden uh, obviously like i said his his debut with the with the white family mm-hmm. um, i'm so glad that they dropped eli cottonwood and you know stuck with harper yes i did i'm so glad because eli cottonwood's garbage let's be real yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I'm not gonna lie; that was it was really interesting to see him with uh with Wyatt, but Harper worked a lot better. Yeah, like I said, it's just you know the character it was so much Here more fitting. The the best the best to me one of the best Brody Lee slash Luke Harper matches is gonna be uh, Wyatt Family versus Shield at Elimination Chamber 2014. That's right. That was ridiculously good. There's like so much like weird shit going on WWE from like 2011, 2015, but like mm-hmm. the Wyatt family was one of those consistent good parts of it. Even though like they were never consistently winning or they were like, you know, it, they were still interesting. The fans were booing the Shield because of Roman Reigns at the time. Mm-hmm. So. Everybody was like, behind the White family. <laughs> everyone was behind the White family, it, and it was just like a so bizarre experience for most people. So, it, like, that's the best to me. Um, please look up Brody Lee and Chikara and everywhere else in CZW. Brody Lee, just like John Moxley, is just you know early John Moxley is just something you really need to see. Uh, especially when you when you look between then and now it's just interesting to see like what's similar and what's changed so much obviously besides age and size um you know uh, as far as AEW goes you know I honestly wish you know I I wish this pandemic wasn't happening for various reasons you know uh, 
aside from the lives that we've lost and you know the lives that we've lost and just the changes that we've had to make as a society but just the pop yeah the pop that he would have received yeah especially in his hometown yeah um you know and i again i still kind of feel like we were robbed of that because we could have had that a lot sooner um so that and then you know uh the dog collar match between him and cody you know obviously it wasn't as bloody as past dog collar matches have been and you know his that cody uh, yeah as dusty has been known for but it was still a hell of a good match um um yeah i think this is gonna do it for this episode it's this is more of a tribute for Brody Lee, John Huber, um, Huber Boy 2, Luke Harper. I think, man, I, I, the world is a much more smaller place now that he's gone. This world couldn't give us five more days of this shithole without kicking us in the balls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he will be missed. Our condolences um, go out to his family. Um, if there are any, uh, I mean, you know, obviously he he has a lot of family in, in the wrestling world, so they will take care of uh, his wife and his, you know, his family and his services. But if there are any um, merch available from PWTs or from anywhere else that go directly to the Hebert family. We will yeah. uh, make you guys aware of that on the next episode uh, or on our Twitter uh, TNDW pod on Twitter. And we are also TNDW pod on uh, Facebook as well. Um, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at both TNDW pod. Um, TNW podcast. Uh, as well as my own personals, which are E-L-D-O-N-B-R-U-G-O, that's Eldon Brujo. And I am also at TNDW Podcast on Twitter, and as well as Pending257. Uh, by all means, please uh, hug everyone you love a little bit tighter, and um, if you are aspiring to do something, go fucking do the work now. Yeah. But um, just like the state of the world and our emotions right now, would you call this an episode? I would say it's a fucking disaster.